Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Marvel's Miss Marvel. If you have lived as long as I have, lost what I have, you'll learn to find beauty in the pieces. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Miss Marvel, Episode 4, titled Seeing Red, directed by Charmin Obad Chinoy. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all depart on a plane to Karachi, let me introduce you to my cosmic besties who are joining me today. First up, you can rub his lamp, but the only wish he'll grant you is some more brown Jovi. He's Justin the Jolly Gin Lawrence. <laughs> What's brown Jovi? I that's listen. The cover band. That's Come the cover on. band, man, from last oh, week. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, to be fair, this was the intro I wrote for you last week, and then you. You bailed on us, so uh, so yeah, so there you go. Right. I, I still wanted to utilize it. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you might have already heard his cosmic voice. He's my cosmic brother from another universe's mother. He's the dastardly, daring, and deadly deviant Darcy Hudson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, stoked to have both of you on. Uh, Justin, we finally get you on this watch club for Miss Marvel. Yeah. It's like we were, you know, I... I Took some time away from the Obi-Wan Watch Club, which you so valiantly uh, took the mantle of hosting. And uh, and now you're here. It's stoked to have you on. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on yeah. Miss Marvel. Uh, how, how have you been enjoying yeah. the series so far? I've been really enjoying it. I, I have to say, I, I you know, if you've listened to the spoiler-free review, I was all positive uh, right from the top. I gave, I gave the first two episodes five out of five because they did such a good yeah. job of just setting the tone and striking a balance between, you know, the the origin story and the excitement around the introduction of a new hero while also interjecting some some really great culturally relevant material that helps build out the background of who Kamala Khan is because yeah. her her cultural identity is is so intrinsic intrinsically tied to who she is and how she defines herself as a hero so mm-hmm. that rhythm and that beat has continued from one two three all the way to four we've we've gotten these very rich cultural tones to each of these episodes that help make it far more interesting than any of the threats that are actually going yeah. on in this, yeah, we'll this get, series. We're going to get into yeah. that. We'll get, <laughs> we'll into get to that. that. Yeah. But we'll get into that. But I, I, I definitely think that, that this is the strength of the show yeah. is, is the origin story, is the mythology and the mystery behind Ms. Marvel and, mm-hmm. and building her out uh, to be significant in the MCU with those real strong cultural beats. So I, I think the show is a huge success and, and I've been enjoying it thoroughly. Yeah, man, I think this episode, you're right, does uh, a phenomenal job at showing, yeah, it's showing some of the strongest of those moments. Um, but before we get into the episode, you know, we see Kamala and I, apparently, Kamala and I, just so you guys know, share the same favorite airplane drink, uh, Canada Dry, <laughs> uh, which is one of the awesome references to Aman Vellani's Canadian roots. I wanted to ask both of you, what is your airplane drink of choice? 
Just water for me. I like I like my I always fill my bottle up before I get on the plane and that's usually my go to. At least finish yeah. a big big bottle of water. There you go. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be boring too and say water um, cuz that's usually what I go with. I'm I'm always the water guy, so I just for me, dude, <laughs> I, Canada Dry, the thing is about Canada Dry, obviously, <clears throat> you know, it's well known on the airplane that it helps your your stomach and things like that, right? Because of the, well, I don't even know if there's ginger in it, but I think it's just the it bubbles is, or well, whatever. It's made with real ginger. That's what it's made with real ginger. But I thought real ginger was a, a trademarked like thing that they call real ginger. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I I, <laughs> I, I I know that the you know something about the cabin pressure makes it more crisp. Canada Dry on an airplane specifically is my favorite drink of all time. In a plastic cup. Filled with ice, dude. There's nothing better. I don't there's know. nothing better. Canada, Canada Dry. I'm sure with like a lot of people in ginger ale, just makes me think of when I was younger and sick, and so it just takes me to a, a bad place mentally. So I, I always tend oh. to stay away from the Canada Dry myself. I think it also has to do with the fact that like I would enjoy it usually when I'm traveling. So for me, maybe it's bringing me back to those moments of escaping my everyday. Food has a way of doing that, so yeah. That's Nate's nickname, Canada Dry. <laughs> Canada just, Dry. You know, he's all <laughs> he's he's yeah. all about that. Like, can I get a what? What do you call it, Nate? The uh, oh, cranberry oh, dude. ginger ale. Okay, mix? well, if we're gonna officially announce this on the podcast, <laughs> just so everyone's aware, um, a, a, <laughs> a Jean Gebranche is ginger ale. Um, a Cran Gebranche is Canada Dry, or sorry, ginger ale with cranberry. Uh, and a l'orange branche is orange juice. That's a breakfast version, orange juice and ginger ale. Uh, and then you've got palm de branche, which is just nice on a fall evening, a little bit of uh, apple cider with your ginger ale. Uh, anyways, now that you have all those <laughs> recipes, uh, before we enter a secret passageway in the back of a Chinese restaurant in the middle of Pakistan, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, so after the previously on, uh, which is written in English and in Ur- uh, Urdu, by the way, uh, we actually start this week's episode off with the Marvel fanfare over a dope track called Summer Nights by Raginder featuring Wise Child. Uh, and look him up because I actually went on Twitter and I saw he posted a really heartfelt video of him reacting to his song playing over the intro. Like he's he's you know he knew that they were going to use his song, but they didn't know it was going to be over the Marvel fanfare, which you got to imagine as a musical artist is freaking awesome. That's a big to moment see. for sure. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, so definitely check him out. Check out his music. Uh, okay, and then we see Kamala and her mom uh, on the airplane uh, heading to Karachi, and they're arguing basically over top of a stranger, uh, which was hilarious. But Muniba asks for a truce uh, for now. Uh, so that they don't upset her mother. They arrive and are instantly greeted by Kamala's cousin Zainab and Oase, uh, and, of course, Kamala's grandmother, Sana. They head back to Sana's home, which is bigger than Kamala remembers, and Kamala accidentally walks into Sana's art studio, where she shows her a painting of Aisha and explains that she sent the bangle to Kamala because she's a jinn, and that the last time the bangle was used, uh, it was used to save her life the day she left India during the partition. She reminds her that she needed to be here to figure out what exactly is going on. All right, so let's hang tight there. Uh, first, guys, what did we think of this opener? What did we think of Karachi? And most importantly, what did we think of Kamala's grandmother? 
as I was mentioning, the cultural references throughout this very much tied to her identity and, and us learning more about Kamala Khan. I love how how we kind of just get plopped into the situation when they're on their way to Karachi and then immediately are just absorbed by by the sort of vibrant culture. And, you know, the introduction of of Karachi as being sort of rooted to Kamala's identity. I think it you get that immediate hit, that sort of almost culture shock to a certain degree. Oh yeah, she's like shocked by that. Absolutely, because you know, we're going from Jersey, now we're in, you know, the middle of Pakistan. And and then I loved how Sana, you know, as we as the episode evolves, it kind of reveals that like she's not necessarily just the you know, the wise old lady with, with all the answers who they've come to see. It, it's very much about fixing a broken relationship between the mother and daughter while Kamala kind of does her own soul searching in Karachi as well. I totally agree. And I think, you know, on the on the standpoint of Karachi, like it's so colorful, the lighting that they sort of work throughout this show to sort of even though we're in one, you know, one minute we're in Jersey, one minute we're in Karachi, but the lighting still stays the same. It's very uh, fluid throughout the the between the episodes. And I think you know, it, it makes even more sense when I, I found out that uh, the director, uh, Charmaine Obed Chinoy, is actually Pakistani-Canadian, uh, which is really cool. And she was born in Karachi. Uh, so obviously she was the perfect choice to sort of lead this episode and lead these characters uh, into this environment. Um, and yeah, man, Kamala's grandmother is so lovable. She's so instantly charming. I love how she was, she's like, I just came from a party and like, and like just doing the grandma thing of trying to give Kamala all of her jewelry. Um, I just, I don't know, man, I instantly fell in love with her. She's so lovely. Uh, yeah, I love her too. She's great. Again, perfect casting for, uh, as the show continues to do, except for the main character, in my opinion. But, uh, <laughs> going past that, what I had a problem with is how fast, that her mom seemingly agreed to this trip. Like I would have liked one scene where the family's talking about this and they decide why they're all of a sudden going to Karachi. Mm. Cause it's, we got none of that. It was Nani talking to Kamala and all of a sudden they're on the plane. So it seemed a bit weird. And also I going think, back to that plane, she mm. didn't have her phone in airplane mode. So I don't know how <laughs> I feel about that. Yeah. I don't know how that quite works. I mean, I've never, I've never personally traveled to, to Pakistan. So I don't know if, Maybe when you're in a different part of the world, if it's okay to use your phone, I don't know. Um, but I will say, in regards to that, the, the comment about like um, the the her mom being on board with it, I think we do sort of find out a little bit later in the episode that we'll talk about of like w- kind of what Muniba's intentions are with this trip uh, and why she's probably so okay to go with it, especially if her grandma or if her mother is reaching out with these you know, stories and theories and ideas about uh, seeing a vision or something. Who knows, right? But I agree with you. I think it would have been nice to to have seen that. Just I, some explanation, because again, they're supposed yeah. to be somewhat fractured at this point. So it just seems right. kind of odd for them to drop everything and go, despite even, and especially what happened yeah. at the wedding. Right, but yeah. I, right, and <laughs> it yeah, it could have been a few days away from from the wedding, maybe a week away from the wedding. Um, but I will say, I, I do love how she instantly refers to Muniba as Muni. Um, it's just like, you know, yes, they are, 
they've got that sort of thing going on between them. But it's the same thing with Kamala and her mom in that moment of, exactly. of sort of having that distance. So it's it's clearly it's it's you know generational, and I I think. Um, I love that they both share a sense of creativity, right? Like we get to that art studio and we see where Kamala gets it from. The intro of this series, uh, initially the first thing we see is is like Kamala's paper craft and her drawings and her, her doodles. And I love that mm-hmm. it comes from her grandmother. I just think it's so, mm-hmm. so nice. Also, one of those pictures in her art studio looked like the aliens we saw in the that first episode when she could activates yes. her powers. Like it looked yeah, like... Kamala Weird. actually touches it at one point. You're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Last couple things I want to point out. Uh, there's the signage that calls, uh, they pass by, it says Karachi, the city of lights, uh, which I think is a bit of foreshadowing to the Noor dimension being the light dimension, which I just thought was kind of neat in this sequence. And again, Kamala just sort of starstruck by, by you know, this, this sort of this whole new experience of seeing uh, Karachi, much, probably for for something she hasn't seen in a really long time. Yeah, because much of it is actually from Karachi, if I'm not mistaken. What I'm reading here is that like it it does in some ways uh, the stuff that they captured does represent Karachi. So some of that might have actually been you know footage that was captured, just maybe not with them there. With uh, them, in it, yeah. some of those B shots, like of the city rolls and cityscapes stuff like that. Yes, yeah, just to kind of give site. more of the culture because it doesn't make very much sense to say that you're gonna film something or it takes a story takes place without some context because yeah, like, they definitely show some landmarks right like, i definitely think there is some b-roll there um and i just wanted to quickly say the title sequence with the different versions of the miss marvel logo had one that was burned into some non-bread and that was dope that was freaking <laughs> awesome i want them to do more food uh in the mcu <laughs> if, if pizza balls you know if we get pizza balls and non-bread and just get all that stuff in the mcu I'm, it's delicious uh so anyways kamala wakes up after a nightmare of the night of the wedding by her cousins uh and her mother asks her to come and visit and not be weird while wearing jeans and sweating more than kevin does at a convention uh, kamala learns that her mother was a bit of a rebel back in the day uh and then she does some shopping with her cousins where oase calls her an abcd uh, and then after some not so great directions, she finds her way to Karachi Station, where Sana first entered Karachi. Uh, she crosses a sign that says no trespassing while donning her new mask that Bruno gave her. And while wearing, uh, sorry, and while admiring a mural, she's confronted by a young man with a red mask. And he says he sensed her nor and the two begin to fight. She has, uh, she, he sees that she has the Bengal and mentions Aisha uh, and the two flee Karachi Station security because he tells Kamala there is someone he wants her to meet. So, guys, what did we think of this confrontation with Kareem uh, as a member of the Red Daggers? Confrontation was cool and all. I just am starting to get tired of how naive Kamala Khan is. First off, with that mask, she did. she's still wearing... The blatantly American outfit, yeah. walking to the this same clothes she was wearing. sign with just a mask and a ponytail. It's just like there's a bit of like there's some more thinking needs to go into this. Like people saw sure. you walk there. It's just yeah, it's kind of like Obi Wan talking at the, the terminal level of annoying writing to me. <laughs> right. It's it, it's it's similar to like I think in the Obi Wan series where they just hide. You know, hide Tala, Leia. What she's talking, or I was gonna say, oh, hiding yeah, that, Leia yeah. underneath a, a trench coat. <laughs> Either instance is the same sort of writing. It's like that's annoying. I feel like someone yeah. should have noticed that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you can't you can't necessarily 
uh, just be like, well, she's a young girl or she's not used to being a superhero. She's read so many comic books. She should know better. She should know. She better. should know the basics yeah. of being a hero and putting on the costume. Like, it could be totally. a bit more, a bit less obvious. <laughs> right. Um, I did think, though, with the fight scene, like I did like how even though she doesn't really know how to use or control her powers, she kind of is using them instinctually. Like, it's just happening without her even trying, um, which I thought was really good. And I love the banter. I mean, Justin, are you stoked? Ninja Turtles is now canon in the MCU. You know? They exist. I am very thrilled with that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 they, there's a couple other, I think, uh, pop culture references throughout. But, yeah, I, I, I think the the confrontation itself was was interesting. And, yeah, Nate, the, it was, I noticed the same thing. The her comfort with her powers seems mm-hmm. to be coming through very inherently as a, almost a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like she's not focusing too much on it. Like, man, she stretched her arms and punched that guy right in the face. Like it was, it was crazy. So totally. I just think it was cool that uh, how Kareem is so well trained to handle this type of thing. So I think that is, that was a really cool introduction for the character too, to show how, how strong he is to fight just as a human against someone with these superhuman powers. So I thought that's totally really, really cool way of introducing the character. He's also, yeah, he's also like, I love how they do keep bringing stuff over from the comics and then adjusting it, right? Like we've now got, he's, he's not the red dagger. He's a part of the group called the red daggers. And I thought that was really cool. And its character is perfectly, you know, other than that, it's, it's very much exactly what he was from the comics. Um, It'll be interesting to see if, I mean, again, we only have two more episodes to go, so I don't know if they are going to do the thing in the comics where, like, he comes back to the States and, and, and you know, sees her again and works with her again. But um, I did want to go back to that banter. You know, he references uh, Donkey Kong, uh, and it's kind of funny because yeah. Kamala was actually technically inspired by a video game to start creating those platforms. It was, you know, it was a more modern, you know, iPhone game, but it was still uh, kind of funny that that was, that was there. And then... I mean, come on, guys. The line, do all masked Americans have superpowers? And just, well, how do you know I'm not Canadian? Like, it's just... Yeah, for sure. Ah, so good. I I just, you see her smiling in that moment, and it just sort of felt like I was like, oh, that's Iman Vellani smiling in that moment. Not even Kamala. Like, that's her just stoked that she got to say that line. Um, And I think that was really cool. And then the Ant-Man mural uh, was awesome to see. I love that art style. It that was wicked. super cool. Yeah, that was. I paused it for a good, you know, couple minutes just so I could take it all in because it was only in that one scene that you could see all of it. But it was really cool. And and it's um it's actually credited uh, on the mural as uh, I think it's by uh, Syra Hussein after Adrian Alfana, who is actually one of the artists who worked on the comics, uh, which is kind of a neat thing to see. And and speaking of the comics, um, the QR code these Disney uh, Plus series that since well. I guess the past two with Moon Knight and now this one. Every week we're getting a QR code. Um, so we're trying to shout them out whenever we see them. This one I saw uh, with the guy who takes her picture. He's on the on the stand. You can find that QR code. Uh, he takes her photo. And if you scan it, it takes you to the comic book that introduces us to the Red Dagger where Kamala goes to Karachi in the comic book. So it's really awesome. Um, it's just cool how Marvel keeps doing this stuff to show us like, hey, like not only are we going to reference this material, we're going to straight up just give it to you uh, to get people interested and maybe get more people reading these comic books. I mean, it kind of is also a plug for, uh, for uh, what is it called? Um, Marvel Unlimited? Or? Marvel, yeah, for Marvel Unlimited. Um, but yeah, man. Anyways, um, so 
then we see Kareem lead Kamala through a Chinese restaurant, through a secret entrance into the home base of the Red Daggers, who are a secret group uh, who protect their people from threats of the unseen. Kareem introduces her to Walid, uh, played by famous Bollywood actor and director Farhan Akhtar, uh, who explains to her that the clandestines and Aisha are from another realm that runs parallel to their own. He goes on to show her that if the clandestines use the bangle to tear down the veil between realms, they'll unleash their world unto ours until there is nothing left of it. Then he reads the inscription on the bangle that says, What you seek is seeking you. So, guys, a few things here. Uh, what do you think of the Nor dimension possibly taking over the MCU dimension? Uh, do you think it's the whole world at stake here or just Karachi? And what do you think the inscription means for Kamala? I definitely think it's the whole world. I mean, that whole map overlay wasn't just focusing on Karachi. That's what the zoom oh, in right. was that we saw 3D, but the whole map was covered by different shaped landmasses in that newer dimension. So yeah, it's definitely mm. a worldwide threat that I think is localized to Karachi. Like that's where it's starting type thing. Totally. It Again, sounds kind of into the city of lights. So <laughs> absolutely. And it, it sounds like a, an incursion, right? Like we mm-hmm. just got Dr. Strange, the mm-hmm. multiverse of madness. Um, I'm wondering if the, if the Nord dimension, you know, even tying it back to that movie and, and, Spoilers for Multiverse of Madness, but the the end. Well, I guess we have spoilers covering us for the entire MCU at this point, right? So, um, <laughs> the the Nor dimension. I'm wondering if it's um, if it's the opposite of the Dark dimension, right? Because it's the Light dimension. So I'm wondering if they're like trying to say like this is the exact opposite of because I would kind of play into you know the themes of good versus evil and what have you, right? So. I don't know. I think that would be kind of neat if that was the if that was the case. And as for um, the quote, "What you seek is seeking you," I I kind of think it's referring to the fact that Kamala, uh, like her mom, her grandmother, is seeking her own identity, and she's kind of caught between her American culture, her Pakistani heritage, and now that she's a a jinn, obviously that doesn't make things clearer. But like, I don't know. Like the the bangle helps Kamala create light. Light is used to reveal stuff you seek. So I think it's I think it's just like a little reminder that Kamala should keep going and that like her identity will reveal itself to her um, if she just sort of waits. But isn't it also just that the light is in her? Like we've already gotten the hint in I think episode two where where Bruno says, you know, that the bangle just activated something inside of you. Right. So what she's seeking is is inside of her. Mm. Right. It's it is it is this this you know powerful being. She's trying to understand it more yeah. because she you know she doesn't she doesn't understand it. But yeah, I feel like I feel like it is it is very much talking about what is already inherently in her that she doesn't know. Right. That mm-hmm. she that she doesn't know. And this is very much that journey, as you said, self identity and self discovery. Uh, to kind of unravel that that mystery and understand more. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys have really touching interpretations of that. I went a bit nerdier and was trying to think of how this could <laughs> connect to the Marvel's project coming out. And I was thinking that, again, they mentioned that you need two bangles or two of them earlier in the series. So, like, what mm-hmm, if the right. other bang, like the bangles are constantly drawn to each other and mm. the other one maybe being in Cree hands, that's how Captain Marvel finds her way to Kamala or like having to come there is because the bangles are drawn together. That was just my takeaway from that is because again, I, I keep 
I see a, th- a bangle like that in Marvel, and I'm like, there's got to be another one somewhere. So, for right. sure, and yeah, and there, I think there has to be. I yeah. think that also, you know, we talked Darcy last week about the ideas of this being connected to the the Ten Rings and Shang Chi, mm-hmm. and of course, at the at the 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 very end of Shang Chi, we got the end credit sequence of literally the 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 rings calling out to something so you're right maybe mm-hmm. maybe they are even more connected in the sense that maybe they are direct linked to each other um and i think you know this might be a bit of a reach but i think we got another you know obviously the 10 rings logo being on the floor last week was obviously a, a direct link but i think we got kind of a subtle a subtle sort of connection to shang chi uh the chinese restaurant that the secret base is in is called ABC Restaurant, which you know could just be nothing, but also the fact that John John says calls uh, he says he speaks ABC to Sean uh, in that movie. I just thought like American born Chinese, like maybe we've got a little hint there to say like yeah, these two worlds are more connected than we think, and it it would make a lot of sense given kind of how the characters are kind of similar in it between Sean and and Kamala. I gotta say that that elaborate oven setup to get into the hideout seemed like a, a very big waste of space. That was such a long hallway. <laughs> yes. A little bit too long. Of, you don't need that much hallway. Do you? Yeah. No, it just go back like two or three ovens, not 12 ovens. Like it just, right. they were walking for so long and it was so slow. Yeah. It's not all, it's not practical for a quick getaways or quick hiding. Like, and not practical. They're not practical for that kitchen either. You got to imagine yeah. like if they're in the middle of a, of a busy night, you know, as I'm sure it could get on the streets of Karachi. Yeah, you lose that stove for five minutes at least as it opens and then slowly closes behind them. Like it's, yeah, it was yeah. a bit over the top, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, <laughs> sorry, we we can't uh, we can't make that dish for you. Our our oven is currently, you know, down a in hallway. a wall. <laughs> in yeah. a wall. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. Well, listen. Then we switch things up. We see the DODC Supermax prison where the clandestines are being kept, and literally they cut to the <laughs> DODC, and I was like why are we here? And I'm like, oh yeah, the clandestines. I completely <laughs> forgot about them. Uh, they managed to escape from the two guards, by the way, two guards who are holding them for this supermax prison, whatever. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then they obviously escape uh, and Najma tells them, you know, let Kamran go. He made his choice and now he has to live with it. So really quickly, guys, they did Kamran dirty here. Um, do you think, do you think he's going to team up now with Kamala? Do you think that's kind of his arc going forward? He's he's going to redeem himself, or he's going to come back as a good guy, or he always was a good guy. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you'd hope so, but it also go the other way where he wants to redeem himself in his family's eyes and maybe turns his back mm. on Kamala. Going, I can see both happening. What really bugged me totally. is how come they always keep the weapons so close to where they're storing the bad guys? Because like, <laughs> if I was in charge of that thing, yeah, I'd be that- like, okay, they're going on this side of the prison. We'll put the weapons on the other side of the prison. So if they have to get them, we'll have more chances to stop them. That just totally. didn't line up for yeah. me again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this this is the weakest moment of the episode, and maybe of the series. It literally, as as yeah, probably of the series. Yeah. But I I think that again, as the way you described it, Nate, it's it's that moment where you're like, why am I here? Why mm-hmm. am I why am I leaving the central story that I'm more interested in to see this threat? These these clandestines walking down some hallway that looks like it was just you know like an afterthought of a shot. Yeah. Right. Like to just kind of stage very quickly. Like we need to remind the audience that there is a threat. That's what this scene 
really served and yeah it's it it just takes you out like uh, once that was done i was like okay now we're back in karachi like they didn't even stay too long on that moment to really do anything with it other just than to reveal that you know they're going their separate ways right he's he's on his own and that's about it yeah i mean again this is this is a moment where and and we we talked about this uh offline regarding you know uh, moments with obi-wan and and some of these disney plus live action series of where i was just kind of like if only we just got more time with these characters. Like, imagine an episode where we get to see them escape the DODC. We learn about the intricacies between their group. We learn more about Najma, and we get to see, like, an actual threat. We get to see their power. We get to see them break out of this supermax prison that freaking, you know, it's supposed to be impenetrable to, to get out of, and that and they, they just... It's a hallway. Like, I get it. Obviously, COVID restrictions and what have you maybe affected that. But it just was, it was so cheesy. It was so, um, like, cartoonish in a way where I was just like, I don't want that kind of cheese in my MCU. Give me the give me the Disney live action TV series cheese that this series has kind of brought to the MCU. But I can so do without the sort of cartoony villain that's just kind of silly. It was just, ah, really didn't work for me maybe another episode yeah. but I, I feel like at the at the end of the day it's it's just highlighting that th- th- this threat feels very inserted for the sake of kind of really serving a purpose as to who or what kamala khan is yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. like that's the real purpose so let's let's just keep the story focused on that like i really don't think that they're going to necessarily at least at this point they don't seem like they're that important i feel like this is gonna come and go and it's gonna open a dimension but i don't think these people are going to be the ones that are going to be her villain in in future future series or movies i just think that they're just a stepping stone for kamala to learn more about her that's that's right. all the purpose that they're serving here rather than just being this this looming threat what I think would have gone a bit further too is instead of having them like be in the middle of this supermax prison, if we could have just had it at the end of last episode where we see them get away from DODC custody while they're still in New Jersey, just kind of break out of the vans in a quick little action sequence and have them run away. Because that would, in my opinion, that would have, again, landed better than them just again clumsily breaking out of this supermax prison by knocking two two guards out and then running up a set of stairs. Like it didn't seem that hard and... Yeah, kind of just very silly. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, I think to your point though, Justin, they don't seem integral. I think Kamran is going to be more integral. And I think sure. it's kind of strange though that they would leave him behind. I think there's going to be some, obviously, some story reason that they need to have separated those characters. But it doesn't quite make sense because Najma revealed to Kamala last week that Kamran and Kamala... Are, are the only ones that are able to access the full power of the bangle because of the fact that they are of the of the you know jinn heritage both as well worlds. as both worlds right as well as earth so obviously kamal is not going to do what they want right and then so having kamran with them would be kind of important so i don't know if if like najma is using some sort of like reverse psychology like you said darcy to try and get kamran to like uh, you come around and 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 do right by his family and his mother who've protected him and maybe she's trying to manipulate him in that way again i think there's stuff that was cut out of these episodes with these characters that maybe would have given us a better sense of her intentions and and her strategies but they're just not there and it's making 
her character and and all the clandestines just not that compelling. Yeah. Let's get back to it here. Back at the house, Kamala finds Sana hiding from Muniba, who's on a cleaning rampage, as she calls it. Uh, And she reminds Kamala that even at her age, like Kamala, she too feels like she's stuck between worlds, figuring out who she is. Kamala asks her if she thinks she'll ever figure it out, uh, to which Sana says, what's the rush? Kareem messages Kamala and invites her out to a bonfire where they enjoy some biryani uh, while Faizan sings in Urdu and plays his guitar. And they kind of like share like uh, have eyes for each other. It's like, whoa, Kamala's just getting all the dudes in this series. It's crazy. Uh, meanwhile, she's collecting all of the boys. She's yeah, like like she's Infinity Stones. She's just going to collect all yeah, the exactly. dudes. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, back at the house, Muniba and Sana discuss the idea of her coming to live with them in America. And I think, Darcy, that was that's Muniba's intention here. Is the to, intention. Right? Yes. 100%. It just it came a bit yeah. too late. Again, the beginning of the yeah. episode, I was, just, I was stuck wondering, how come this happened so quickly? And it would have been yeah. a, a little one-minute scene of them talking with um, with her dad in the room as well and getting his mm-hmm. take on the thing. It just right. would have given me a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I hear you. Um, Muniba tells her she was never trying to get away from her. It's just that she needed a change. She needed to get away from Sana's fantastic theories, as she calls them. Uh, she says she didn't need her stories. She needed her mother. And then this is immediately followed up. And I love, I love how it's immediately followed up. It's followed up with Kamala coming home and instantly noticing that her mom isn't okay. And of course, Muniba says she's fine, and the two share a cute moment where Kamala can't chew a toffee. Uh, And I think it's just just interesting that Muniba, in this moment, is still kind of holding holding back from sort of telling her daughter what's going on. She's trying to protect her from that, that, uh, you know, understanding. Selfishly. Right. Selfishly, right? Totally. She's, she's, yeah. And, 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 but I, I still think it's one of those moments where, again, just, I don't know, it was, it was lovely, it was sad, and it was just so perfectly contrasted from the scene just before it. What did you guys think? Um, you know, obviously, we speculated last week that Muniba knows more than she's letting on, but here she still refers to her mother's stories as like fantastical theories. Uh, do you guys think she's still in the dark on this stuff, or do you think she's, hiding the truth in fear of what it could mean for Kamala. I think she knows. I just think that she doesn't believe it, Mm. right? She thinks of them as stories, right? And then I think what's going to be the turning point is when she sees Kamala using these powers uh, in a way to help people and and she knows that it's Kamala, then she's going to start to kind of maybe reveal, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, It could be something that she has seen it, in in effect and she she's witnessed something that that might allude to like her her understanding but i feel like again the way she describes it as fantastical stories and and whatnot just means that she never saw it she never witnessed it right right and i i think it's it's also really interesting too because in a lot of ways people's faith in religion is very much based on what has come before and in this sort of belief of the stories that uh, that have happened in the past that Mm -hmm 
no one saw they're just stories right so right. it's really interesting that we have a layer of, of that really does talk about faith and the importance of faith because that is a form of identity a way that we you know connectively uh shape ourselves is through faith and yeah. what we believe in yeah. and i think that that that's that is in itself very much a a, a subtext in this in this scenario uh in this whole story in this whole series is very much that and and that idea of what we understand and what we believe and how that defines us uh, at, at our core. So I think you're absolutely right, Nate. The, the, the fact that it goes from the, the grandmother to the mother, then from mother to daughter, mm-hmm. we see this sort of generational uh, domino effect of how their relationships are strained based on what they believe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that they're, they're very intelligently playing with these layers of story that just tell a deeper meaning, I feel like. I don't oh, know. yeah, of course. This is where, again, another issue with this episode comes out to me because the yeah. end of the last episode, Nani's like, come here. Well, I, like, you have to come here to figure out the answers type thing. And that way, that made, implied to me, at least, that she kind of knew what was going on. But as we see in this episode... She doesn't. She doesn't yeah. know anything and she's not being any help. So it's like, why is she so sure that she needs to come here unless it was all just to meet the Red Daggers? It was just a bit like, again, I... I'm having a hard time believing a lot of like how they're telling this particular story, which again, well, the character hmm. growth is amazing. It's just the, the plot development is suffering in some areas for me. But is it not the ending? Like we won't, we'll get there, but is the, what happens at the cliffhanger here at the end is, is that not the reason why she was meant to come to, to Karachi? And, and that again, I agree with you. I don't think Nani knows uh, anything about what's going on. She's seen the vision and she just knows that Kamala I think intrinsically has that ability. She knows that that she can see that as well. So I don't know. It, it, there there are some holes. I, I agree. That Just very sure that they, of herself. Off of some some visions to be like, come here, come my come my granddaughter. Like, and I very <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I think that's purposeful. I have a theory as to why that's purposeful, but we're not at theories yet. We'll get yet. to it later. Then we'll I'm get sorry. to it later. Yeah. No, it's okay. I I no. I I definitely hear what you're saying, but I I think you know her grandmother is so. She's just so uh, based off of her experiences and what she's gone through. She just she's going to believe that and she's going to, you know, get them come into Karachi as soon as possible with with every fiber of her being. She she wants them there. And um, it, it's interesting. Uh, Muniba's distaste of her grandmother. Now we kind of get that it came from the stories that her mother told her all yeah. those years. Right. Um, and just yeah. how how much that affected her. Uh, and, right. and I, I will say, um, the speech, man, that her grandmother gives her here, it's just so well done. And, and like we were talking, like all three of these women have struggled with and are struggling with the same thing, which is finding their identity, identity. as they're split down the yeah. middle between two worlds, like the veil between our dimension and the Nora dimension. Like it's, I think that is where yeah. the writing is in its strongest. And, you know, we see between their past and their future, um, that's that's another aspect to it, and I, I I loved her response to Kamala, where she's just like, you know, do you think you're ever going to figure out? And her grandma responds with, "But what's the rush?" And I think that comes from, you know, her grandmother recognizing that like the longer they have to sort of work on this puzzle, the longer they get to stay together. And I thought that was really really lovely. Um, and I liked the I like Kareem's text showing up in the sky kites again, continuing from episodes one and two. Uh, and then the bonfire, you see yet another sort of um, sort of pocket moment for Kamala, where we've gotten these throughout the series, 
where she's truly happy, right? Because for a brief moment, she's kind of settled into one of the multiple sides of her identity and she can kind of just relax, right? Like she can embrace her culture in that moment and just sort of be there and and not have to really worry about anything else in the world and just sort of say, okay, well, I'm going to try this side of of me right now and and not really worry about anything else. But at the end of the day, that's not just who she is. There's there's so much more to it. So I think honestly, these these moments, these three moments back to back were probably my favorite moments in the episode. I liked the moment on the beach when they're eating biryani out of a bag. Like I've I've never eaten biryani out of a bag. Either. I want to try so it now, man. <laughs> out of a bag? Yeah. Biryani is delicious. It yeah. is so good, but out of a bag would would be interesting. But, you know, again, <laughs> to, to to think that in in episode 2 we had the westernized version of kids socializing and getting together and seeing that juxtaposed with kids in Pakistan Mm -hmm. who are being very much like the Western kids. Like I think what's the show does really well. And I think again, and even in Moon Knight, it did really well is it didn't, it didn't try to pin Pakistan or, or Karachi in, in a way that is feels dated or, or stereotypical. Mm -hmm. It actually really brought in a lot more of the hybrid Western and you know, Pakistan and then in Moon Knight, you know, the Egyptian culture into it to really show that like, yeah, it, it's not about it being ornate and, and so historical and protected. It's it is about everyday people living their lives yeah. like as they walk the streets yeah. of Karachi and stuff like that. I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're just doing their those those sort of things the same sort of things that they would do anywhere mm-hmm. just in their country. And it's a bit different and that's, that's fine. And I, I like that it, 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 in a way it's, it, again, it's, it's drawing more comparisons between all of these different cultures that, that we, we see uh, in a way that makes it relatable. Totally. Yeah, man. Let's keep going here. We, we then get to see Kamala back at the red daggers base where we see her learning more about her abilities. Um, she receives a Koti, uh and as she asks if she's a red dagger now, and that's that, that blue outfit that she gets. Uh, and then out of nowhere, Najma and the clandestines, they have, they must have used fast travel or something in this video game because they just are randomly now in, in, in Karachi uh, and they drop in and they attack. Um, they fill the room with smoke, which Walid uses to his advantage to take out a couple of them, followed by him uh, escaping along with Kareem and Kamala. Uh, they flee in a tuk-tuk uh, while managing to avoid taking out an entire family on a bike which I love that there was just a whole family with a baby all on one bike. Um, and then they, they sort of create this ramp, causes a truck to fly in the air, thus rescuing them. Um, so, guys, what did we think of this this chase sort of down the alleyways here? And, I mean, we kind of already covered this, so we don't have to really dive into it too deep. But, like, the clandestine's performance here, like, it, again, it just... I don't know, man. Kind of was just like. Uh, well, they're just muscle. They're just the. Th- yeah. Again, they're 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 the physical threat. We've seen them twice be more of a like all, uh, twice in this episode, and in mm-hmm. the instance of you know episode three with the wedding, and you know now here they're just they're just the threat. They're just that's yeah. it. And they've they they're they're the that's, goons. All, that's the only purpose that they serve. Exactly. Yeah. They're the goons, right? Yeah. Um. But I love this chasing though. I think yeah. it's so much fun. Uh, to do a chase scene like this, you know, I, I think of the other chase scene that we got that was really great uh, in Hawkeye yeah. with a car chase scene, sort of very similar. Um, and we've gotten a few over the throughout the MCU, but uh, I, I love that this is, you know, again taking place in a very 
culturally unique p- part of the world. Uh, it feels very chaotic. It stays very grounded the entire time as well. Like I, I liked, you know, I liked the the idea that it didn't get sort of too superhero esque. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it very much in the same same vein as 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 Hawkeye too, where it stays very tamed and grounded to keep things a little bit more. Um, not believable, but more situational uh, based on where they are, right? But it goes to show, right? Like, again, this is the next scene with the clandestines after the the hallway, dark hallway escape. And you just see how changing, shifting to being in Karachi and, and this environment makes this so much better. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's, 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 it's interesting because, like, yes, you want to have a really interesting environment, I do think that the villains and the threat should also be holding my attention, but I kept, you know, looking around and looking at the world of Karachi um, and and the 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 you know the the areas around them more than I was looking at the action. Um, I do want to say I I do love the idea that Bruno is probably going to turn that that uh, the koti that she receives from Walid into like her new costume. I think that's really cool. She'll always remember where she comes from. Um, and I do think it was really hilarious to see Kamala making the same mistakes when she reversed backwards in the, in the truck trying to escape, uh, just like in episode one during her during her driving lesson. I thought that was a fantastic sort of callback. One of my main issues, again, with the Red Daggers hideout was such an elaborate door. Why do they have a glass ceiling? That just seems, <laughs> screams, invade us through the roof. Like, yeah. <laughs> It seems yeah. a bit odd just to be like, yeah, we're going to be in hiding, but we need sunlight. We need a lot of you know natural light in this room so we totally. can see our secret plans. Yeah. Uh, but the, the chase scene was great. I did enjoy the environment and a lot of the moments for fun and stuff like that. I even enjoyed the call back to her reversing. Despite not me liking the original one, I'm like, oh, she is still a, a kid and doesn't know what she's doing. So yeah. it was fun. Again, a lot of cool moments. And uh, again, the, the bad guys seemed more entertaining here but it was also how come they can't keep up with these like two kids they yeah. are superhuman people they can't keep up with a kid and another kid like it's just weird and that's the, that's again it just felt 80s cartoon cheesy not 90s cartoons because those freaking rock the x-men cartoons are awesome but <laughs> but 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 no like very just sort of like even to the point where in a very villainous cartoony voice najma at once at one point says don't let them get away and i'm just like oh my gosh like i was just like no like give us like i want villains that are scary i want villains that are intimidating i don't want these thugs it feels like it feels like they're 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 reminding me a lot of like the characters from um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like this just kind of that group where they're just kind of forgettable and and not really doing I, much. I think and this is yeah. I don't know, man. It just to me, it kind of feels like they're thugs, including Najma, and they're working for a bigger bad character. And if that's the case, that's totally fine. Again, we've only seen them now I for think- two episodes. But but to me, I'm just like I don't know Najma. I wanted Najma to be this this leader within this group that was actually intimidating and threatening. But she's just none of them are really that scary. Well, I don't know. If you think about it, it's 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 very much the thing about these Marvel Disney Plus series is that their villains are very much goons who work for someone else who's the real threat. Pointing out to it the idea of, of a big baddie that's on the loom, you know, like in uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, we have these like 
terrorists that are operating for power broker tracksuit mafia and hawkeye lead to the kingpin they were definitely the goons of that they were far more interesting though than i find these bad guys i don't think they were necessary i honestly think the i think what would have been better is just to keep this sort of government this do is it dodc is that what they yeah yeah just keep them as as this threat that's trying to track her down and understand who she is as she tries to figure it out but she's trying to figure out before you know for to better understand herself right like i I don't know it it just seems like they're very shoehorned in which just means that they feel really unnecessary let's get to the ending of this episode here eventually kamala and kareem see najma and walid on the balcony walid sacrifices himself uh to take out the thug behind them but then is stabbed in the back as he falls to his death which by the way felt very Star Wars A New Hope. I'm just going to say it right there. It felt like I was just like, that's that's Obi-Wan right there. Um, and then during the skirmish, Kareem kills Adam, uh, which drives Najma to say enough as she stabs at Kamala. Kamala blocks the blade with her bangle, which rips a hole in space around her, causing her to fly back into it. When she wakes up, she realizes she's traveled back in time to the night of the partition in 1947, and she climbs up onto a train in complete disbelief of what just happened. And that brings us to the end of our episode, as well as our prediction segment uh, for this series, for what we think might be revealed in the next episode and the future of this series uh, and its characters, which for this Watch Club, we call, this may be a stretch, but... So guys... What just happened? What do you think this is? Is it a vision? Did she actually travel through time? And what does this mean for her going forward? Very Moon Knight, right? In the sense that it's... Oh, like, the fourth episode? Right to... Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Right? So so it, it does have that that um, same sort of effect where, you know, we've now shifted the story for the series, uh, which looks like it's going to lead to more of a self-discovery again. We're now in the past. We're going to learn more, I think, about... We're probably going to see her her grandmother, right, mm-hmm. um, or her great grandmother to to understand a little bit more. But yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about where you think the show's going because I don't really have that much to stretch. I'm I'm actually really intrigued with what they're doing with her background and her history. So yeah, where the show's going, I'm not I'm not really sure because this is all this all feels very different from from the comics. Mm-hmm. Well, this may be a stretch, but I'm sure Kang's going <laughs> to pop up and help her get back to her time because she's clearly time traveled. Like this is way more vivid than any of the visions she's had before. It's so much more muted in color and stuff like that, which would really set the tone for what's happening at that moment. So I, I totally think she's she's back in time. And again, the Kang thing is just a stretch because you again, think Kang. I, I, I'm saying master time travel. I feel like wow. he's going to notice someone's at a place and get them back. Or maybe we'll TVA stuff. I have no idea. But like, Jonathan, it, I was not expecting this at all. So I'm Dude. very confused. <laughs> that would be that would be a stretch. But I'd be really stoked to see it. Um, listen, this may be a stretch. But I absolutely believe Kamala traveled through time here. I think the bangle can not only bring her to the Nor dimension... Uh, but also to the past. And in the comic books, um, in the later series, she's even brought into the future on another planet at one point. I won't say too much about that. Um, But, you know, my thoughts are that her grandmother, the night that she was lost, did follow a trail of stars. It was a trail of stars provided by Kamala. 
I think Kamala is going to be Potter all over again, dude. I think it's well. I mean, there's going to be she's got to close the loop. I think Kamala is going to be. There's going to be moments where, like, I think she's worried that her grandmother's mm. going to see her. Like, she's afraid that it'll mess up the timeline or something because she knows that, like, her pop culture references. I I bet she's going to bring up Back to the Future at one point um, mm-hmm. because even Bruno uh-huh. is is designed uh, just like um, Marty McFly. Marty McFly, thank you, brain fart. Uh, just like Marty McFly uh, in that series with the vest and everything. And so I think her grandmother, I think she is still going to see her. And I think, you know, we already know she has such a good memory of that night because of all the paintings that she's made. I could guarantee there's a painting of Kamala Khan somewhere in that rubbish, maybe that we didn't see, but that might be brought up. And I think that, you know, it was her that helped her get back to the train in that moment. I, so I, th- I think she's going to close the loop and learn more about herself. I think this is really where we're going to see Kamala recognize who she is, what she's seeking. And I think episode five is going to be where she becomes Miss Marvel through that action. And I think that's such a, a crazy cool idea that I really hope they go with because I, I would just love Makes to sense. see her be that part. And it's just funny how at the dinner table, she was the one that completed that story without knowing that she's the one that completes that story. So I don't know, man. I think that would be really cool. That's the smart. That's that's very cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely. I hope that's what happens because that's the best option for it. And I think it again, it would enrich what that story means and the experience of of that that story to her. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a really validating journey, if you will, right? Yeah. To have to have her go through that, but. I also think it's it is cool too because if if that is the case that in the way they go and it does make a lot of sense that also is very Moon Knight for episode five, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. In, in the in the se- in the sense of how that episode kind of pivots itself as a sort of internal self journey for Mark Spector and Stephen Grant to kind of share more and and become closer in bond and here in episode five it seems like very much what you described kind of mirrors that and i think that actually makes a lot more sense if they do it that way um but yeah those are these are fantastic theories i hope i hope uh, i hope kang shows up in the end and and ends up helping her though to get back to her time dope too uh what would bother me if they go that route is the fact Mm. that now we have nothing to go on with about her grandmother like if she does or sorry her great grandmother so if she does end up helping her grandmother get back on the train i hope we see at least the great grandmother, like Aisha, fighting with the other clandestine, and see that moment of betrayal that then leads yes. them all to be like, "Well, totally. I have to help my grandma get back." Because yeah. again, if they just do it where they don't leave that train area and we'd never see Aisha at all, and it's all Kamala, I'd be a bit let down because again, we've been built up as Aisha being the one who used this power originally, and then who made this. Betrayal and we only saw her once, right? Yeah, yeah, and we've only seen her the one time. So I think it'd be very, yeah. it'd be like. Very upsetting to me if we don't get to see yeah. that betrayal moment. I feel like that that is what she's back in time is to see what the great sacrifice her grandmother made, great grandmother made to save her grandmother type thing, or her family going forward. So, but dude, the line where Najma's like, "I don't, I don't, uh, what well, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I don't help people who betrayed me." Maybe it means what if it was Kamala. What if it was Kamala oh. as well, oh. dude? Like Aisha could huh. be there, but Kamala. <laughs> Dude, I'm that's, just That's what I was thinking. Right? What if she ends up what if Kamala ends up fighting her great grandmother, right? Whoa. And and you know, okay. right, trying to stop her and then I don't know. It'll okay. be interesting uh, to see how yeah. it all plays out. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, now I'm excited for next week's episode. <laughs> I'm very excited for next week's episode. And I think I'm more excited for next week's episode than I was for uh, portions of, of this week's episode. So, guys, let's get to our overall impressions of the episode and our final score, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five daggers. Justin, let's start with yourself. Um, yeah, well, as I was saying at the top of the show, each episode of this series has added to the family story uh, at the center while mixing in so many so many elements of the, the mythology and, and actual history and culture just into the overall plot. And this episode, again, continues that and really dials it up, featuring Karachi as, as, as the backdrop for, for episode four. Um, Charmaine keeps the action grounded while also giving it a bit of scale there you know with with the environment and the the sort of cultural infusion that takes place in this episode uh Imam Valani delivers in both the action and the emotional parts of this story as we see the 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 three generations as you were mentioning Nate kind of deal with their own conflicts one on one and the episode continues the themes of 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 relating relating to identity and, and even just the idea of sort of as you mentioned Nate like kind of live in two places and, and how that really just connects back to your own identity and how we identify ourselves based on our homes and you know coming from two different cultures and being displaced especially with Nani's story um I think that again take this all taking place in Karachi really made it purposeful and meaningful I do think the downfall of this episode other than these clandestine villains who really are meaningless and, and and I just I don't think of them as a threat I'm more enthralled and interested in in Kamala's journey for self-discovery for her inevitable Ms. Marvel title and how she gets there I think that they can stay focused on that this episode though much like last week's episode I found had a lot of layers that kind of give it a bit of an overstuffed feel like there's a lot going on here right like there's a there's a lot of of explanation and it does seem very crammed in especially from last week's episode into here with a lot of the mythology and all of these 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 other different sort of things and i'm getting a little confused and i, I always have said that marvel does a really great job of trying to like insert these things very systematically i gotta say in the series though it does feel like they're really trying to like push it like amp it up so that they can just get to the marvels and and and, and solidify a, a lot of things so that ms marvel is just in the cinematic universe mm. i wish there was a little bit more uh, treatment to how this all ties together um but that being said the cliffhanger at the end of this episode definitely had me interested she's 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 in a whole different time period we know where she is because we've heard the stories as you guys both pointed out it, it's it looks like she could be either confronting or meeting her great-grandmother to kind of learn more and i love the pitch nate of her potentially being the stars that guide her grandmother back to safety. I love that. Um, And I think that just makes it, that brings the whole story full circle. I hope that happens. But yeah, I I really do think that the the strength of this episode is the focus on culture, family, and identity. And for that reason, I'm going to be giving this episode a four out of five daggers because it hit the mark with with all the culture. All righty. Darcy, how about yourself? Well, I... I'm sure it's kind of obvious from how what I've said about this show or this episode at least it, it left me questioning a lot of the choices they made for story and plot development while I did enjoy a lot of the character growth development we got they are really good at, at focusing on characters in this in the show which is very nice uh, that we're getting a lot of background 
but like Justin said, that it's it's a bit overstuffed. Like the clandestine villains are unnecessary. I would have I agree with Justin where the DODC having just one bad villain trying to hunt them down would have been a lot more focused and easier to work with. Whereas trying to tell the backstory of these clandestines while weaving in the DODC storyline seems a bit muddled at points. Uh, and again, some of the like even the acting of Kamala Khan and then some of the writing feels very Disney channel again to me. I, I said that last week, but it, this episode feels almost more so where it's just again, over the top writing or some plot holes that are very gaping in my opinion and uh, kind of take away from the enjoyment of the episode. So uh, definitely one of the lower score scores I've given this series so far, but I think I'm going to be sitting at about a three out of five daggers for the episode. Cause again, I enjoyed a lot of the moments and stuff like that, but I was questioning myself almost as much as I was enjoying. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I <clears throat> kind of sitting in between you two. I think this, this episode was interesting for me cause I kept, as we said, like I kept wanting to go back to the scenes between Kamala and her family. Like I kept wanting to be like, like the action scenes come up and like, okay, cool. But like, Let's go back to let's go back to, to Nani's house and let's let's talk to her and let's let's have those moments. Um, I love seeing the culture and the vibrancy of Karachi, um, and I just I just feel like anytime they did a big fight or the chase sequence, I was I was kind of taken out of it a little bit. Um, I'm so much more intrigued by her past and her finding her, herself, um, and I don't think that's because the action is is bad. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 choreography in the fights is cool. The you know, her powers, her getting better with her powers is cool. But as we've been talking about, these villains just aren't compelling. And it just sort of gives me, I just kind of glaze over when they, you when they come on the screen. I just yeah. don't care. Yeah. And I want to care. I want to care so much more for them. I love, you know, some of the, the intriguing villains that we've gotten in these past series. I, you know, Agatha, for instance, is just absolutely phenomenal, right? <laughs> like uh, US, yeah. U.S. agent, like Wyatt Russell was incredible. I think you know, these characters just start to, when, when we, I, I just feel like we're missing uh, some sort of element that we should have in this series. Um, and I thought Najma would have been that, that presence. I think in the, in the first, at the very tail end of the second episode, her sitting in the back of the car and just her, even just her voice, I was like, oh, okay, here she is. This is the, this is her. And she's just kind of fallen into the background. She kind of just seems like another lackey amongst this group of not so capable bad guys. Um, again, though, I think there was a lot to this episode. I really enjoyed some of my favorite sort of family connection moments in the series so far. Um, but I feel like, I feel like this episode in this series might be uh, at this point just struggling a little bit with with stuff that might have been cut uh, from the series. I think there's a lot of really weird cuts that happen whenever the clandestines are on screen where I'm just like, OK, clearly they they had more dialogue there or something. Um, so I, I just it, they come off boring. Um, Karachi, again, was awesome. The Canadian references we're fantastic. I love it. Give me more Canada dry. Give me more Kamala just somehow being from Jersey and Canada at the same time. Uh, and Kamala's family and especially her grandmother brought my score up a bit. Um, but this is also going to be my lowest of the series so far. Uh, I'm going to give this episode a 3.5 out of five daggers. Uh, so right in the middle of you two. Um, I do think if you love learning about Kamala's family history as much as I do, though, I think this next episode is going to freaking rock. So I'm so <laughs> stoked for that. Well, 
That's it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Marvel's Miss Marvel. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, Justin, can you let our listeners know where they can stretch out their fingers to reach us? <laughs> Sounds weird yeah, that in, way. It's in the show notes. It's <laughs> in the show notes. It's just in the show. No, I'm just joking. You can reach <laughs> us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. True. You totally can. You can use your stretchy fingers or thumbs. I guess people use their fingers and their thumbs on their phones. Uh, <laughs> or computers. Some people doing. use computers sure. too. Yeah, some still, people use computers. Sure. That's true. I forgot about computers. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews uh, for Only Murders in the Building Season 2, Episodes 1 to 6, which you have to you have to watch Only Murders in the Building. Episode 1 and 2 are out now on Disney+. Plus. It's so good. Um, and check out that review to see what we thought of at least up to episodes uh, one to six. Uh, we also have the the Man from Toronto and the Sea Beast uh, spoiler-free reviews up. And keep your eyes peeled for our Thor Love and Thunder spoiler-free review, which goes up July 5th, coming from Darcy and Justin. Uh, I'm very stoked to see what you guys thought of that movie. Um, and we have a ton of interviews as well, like with Disney and Pixar's Lightyear director, Angus McLean, producer Galen Sussman, and composer Michael Giacchino. We also have our interview with director Zadilin Bilal, who directed episodes one and six of Miss Marvel. Uh, and most recently, Justin had the opportunity to sit down with Obi-Wan director, sorry, Obi-Wan Kenobi director, Deborah Chow, and frickin' Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen. Uh, and there's a really sweet moment between Justin and Hayden where they discuss Star Wars fatherhood. So go give those episodes a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. Uh, and lastly, you got to check out our latest episode of This Week in Geek, um, where Justin, Kevin, and I, we discussed our thoughts on, and predictions for Marvel's Hall H panel uh, at this year's San Diego Comic-Con, and we share our thoughts uh, on the reveal of a new Game of Thrones Jon Snow spin-off series. Uh, so go check that out. Remember, we drop new episodes of This Week in Geek uh, with our thoughts on the latest news and trailers every single Wednesday. So definitely go check that out. Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this week's Watch Club. And as we say... Cosmic. Cosmic.